0: Yes, Lord, you are Jesus, Messiah, the only one who can bring people from death to life. And we proclaim your name this morning. Thank you, Lord, that we could sing these songs of praise. And Lord, may the truth go from our hearts and into this world as we serve you in this week. Lord, the society of ours, our fellow Kiwis, people who've come from all nationalities need to hear that Jesus Christ is the one who loves them so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, into the world to save sinners like us. Thank you, Lord, for that redeeming grace to us. And Lord, as we open your word this morning, as we open the pages of this book that you've given to us, Lord, may it not just be another book. We know that it is your living word to us. And so, Lord, make it come alive in our hearts. May your Holy Spirit do your work among us. May we know that we have met with a living God as your Spirit works among us. Lord, take the words of a man. And may your spirit speak to all of us here. We pray. Amen. I forgot to say welcome to all our visitors here this morning. Uh, Welcome among us. Uh, We'll get to know you afterwards as we have a cup of tea together. And all you regulars do. We're going to catch up and see how we can stand around each other and just show each other the love of Jesus Christ. Some of that video material has come back at us this week through our video screens. I don't know about you, but I got sick of it because the media will go over and over and over anything they can find for the sake of sensation and drawing people to their channels. But I don't know if the question came to you as you saw some of those images. How could someone do this? Now please hear me. The moment we ask that question, we are saying, I couldn't. And scripture is going to speak about that this morning. Because every single one of us is capable of what that man did. Because that's the nature of sin. You do things that you never thought you could ever do in your life. Sin, There's no goodness in sin at all. Nothing. It corrupts absolutely. And if we think anything else, we don't understand the nature of sin. And so let's look at what God's word says to us this morning. We're going to be carrying on in our studies in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 16 to 19 and I'll be reading just before that from verse 12. Verses 12 to 15 are, as it were, the picture that God gives of a worthless man or a worthless woman in his eyes. It's like the FBI wanted picture. This is what this worthless person in God's eyes looks like. And then as we get to verses 16 to 19, we get what God comments on that. So let's look at what he says. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 12 to 19. A worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with perverted heart, devises evil. Continually sowing discord. Therefore calamity will come upon him suddenly. In a moment he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes. A lying tongue. And hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. Feet. That make haste to run to evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And one who sows discord among brothers. It's kind of unusual. There are six things that the Lord hates. Yes, the Lord hates. I thought he's a God of love. He is a God of love. But he hates sin. There are six things that the Lord hates. And instead of saying these are the things God loves, there's a reversal that happens here. It's a technique often used in the book of Proverbs to draw our attention. We've used it before and we will use it again as we study in this book. And so when we see God hates these things, we need to see the opposite too. God therefore loves something else. It's not an uncommon thing. And when you go to a function, some people like sweets, others like savouries. And so when you say, well, I don't really like sweets, it means you like savouries. Okay? It's the same thing, just bigger. So here we have in Proverbs 6, uh, 6, verse 16 to 19, a photo in the negative. It's like a negative of a photo. when you develop that photo, you get the positive. And so by looking at what God hates, Solomon shows us what arouses the anger of God. And therefore he shows us what brings a smile to the face of God. Do you get it? And then to help us as well as we've used before in chapter 4, he uses the body as a memory device. So like little kids... The eyes mean this. When we look at the eyes, the lips, remember them. What does that mean? The hands, the heart and the feet. This is what it means. So as we go through these various body parts, they are to remind us of certain things that God hates. And then just the last comment on, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to Him. There's nothing mysterious here. All it is, is it's it's not an exhaustive list. There are other things too. So there are six things. No, there are seven It's it's not an exhaustive list. Some are mentioned, others aren't. That's all that's saying. Nothing else. People have written books about those two words. Right. So what does God hate and therefore value? Let's look at these things. Firstly, haughty eyes. It's not a word we use often today. You're a bit haughty-taughty today. We don't use that much today. Haughty means what? Think you're better than others, looking down on them. Ever seen a picture of a camel? Man, it always looks haughty. Looks down on its nose and spits in your face. Haughty. Eyes that look down on others from a lofty perspective of self-righteousness. I'm better than others. And immediately when you've got haughty eyes, you compare yourself to others. And therein lies the danger. Because immediately pride comes into play. And pride is one of those sins which God lifts all the time. It is the greater of the greater sins. And sin, remember, is sin sin before the Lord, but pride ranks there. You see, pride focuses on self and compares with others. Pride says, my way is right. Yours must be wrong. Now, there's a right and a wrong way of doing this. Because when we come to truth, then certain things are true, and others are untrue. And so, yes, we must stand for the truth, and we must stand against error, but this is speaking about not God's ways, but my ways. It looks at me, and compares to others. My way is right. Proverbs, you're going to have to stick with me here, we're going to be flicking a lot through your Bibles today. Proverbs chapter 21, And verses 2 and 4, this is what it says. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the heart. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked are sin. So what is the lamp lamp of the wicked, says verse 4? Haughty eyes and a proud heart. That's what puts light on their lives. The great book, the book of Proverbs. So pride says, My way's right, your way's wrong. Pride overestimates self worth and underestimates others' worth. Pride is disrespectful and demeaning towards others. And selfishly takes advantage of others. Proverbs thirty, verse eleven to four. This is what it says. Sorry, 11 to 14. Proverbs 30, 11 to 14. A fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man... Wrong verse. There are those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. There are those who are clean in their own eyes, but are not washed of their filth. There are those... How lofty are their eyes, how high their eyelids lift. I love that. There are those whose teeth are swords, whose fangs are knives. What to do with? To devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among mankind. We're surrounded by people who make misuse of others. And we could name a few instances in society, but I won't this morning. You see, pride is disrespectful and demeaning to others. It takes advantage of others. Pride caused a man to take up a machine gun this past week, last week, and kill those whom he disagreed with, those who did not see things his way. What's at the root of it? Pride. We need to recognize why this stuff happens. Pride stands between man and God. James 4 verse 6 says, God opposes the proud. That word opposes means, as with an army, God opposes the proud. But he gives grace freely, he says that word, to the humble. Do you see the difference? God opposes, as with an army, the proud and the proud in heart, but he freely gives his grace to the humble. Those who know who they are before the Lord. You see, pride prevents a relationship with God because God hates Humility on the other side, if we go from the negative to the positive picture now. Humility focuses on who? On God. And it gives us perspective on who we are. How do we know that? Scripture tells us. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 7. This is what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge who? Acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, rather fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You see, when we know who God is and what he wants from us, it gives us humility. He is God, I am his creation, he wants me to obey. Him, And so, humility trusts God. Humility acknowledges who God is. Humility follows God's way. Humility has reverence for the one who is greater than us. And it will not allow me to do what happened this last week. Humility brings purity and the blessings of God. Humility looks out for the needs of others. And serves them. You see the difference? And God honors the humble. Luke 14 verse 11 says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. By who? By God. Do you see the difference between pride and humility? So that's the first thing God hates. He hates a proud heart or haughty eyes, but He loves a humble heart, or humble eyes. Secondly, we look at our text. God hates lying lips. What's the contradiction to that? Or the opposite to that? He loves a truthful tongue. Proverbs twelve twenty two says, Lying lips are, and here's the strongest word that can be used, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. It's a foul stench to Him. Even little white lies stink to the Lord. Because sin is sin is sin. And God is a holy God. And so the curse of a lying tongue is that it rejects truth. And it believes Satan's lies. Jesus pointed this all this out to the Pharisees all the time. You are of your father the devil because you've got lying lips and you teach my people to do wrong. A lying tongue destroys trust in relationships. In your marriage, if you start lying to each other, what does it do? It breaks down trust. Doesn't it? You're always careful. You and your kids. If there's lying happening between you and your children, you can never trust them or they can never trust you. You see, a lying tongue destroys trust. It's the opposite to love. A lying tongue brings shame to the one who is lying. Think of Peter and his denial of the Lord Jesus and the shame it brought on him when Jesus brought it to him and confronted him on. And the opposite of that is that a truthful tongue has companions. The truthful tongue's companions are wisdom. The truthful tongue's companions are instruction from the Lord and understanding. A truthful tongue receives honor. You see, Scripture says, Proverbs 11 verse 3, Integrity guides, but crookedness destroys. Integrity guides us. A truthful tongue guides us. A truthful tongue gives us spiritual life. Ephesians 4.15 says, when we speak the truth in love, we grow mature in Christ. There's a connection. And so the Lord hates lying lips, but He therefore loves a truthful tongue. Thirdly, the Lord hates murderous hands, and therefore He loves healing hands. States very specifically, look in your texts. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. We don't need to be reminded of that this week. The Lord hates what happened in this country. Those who take advantage of the helpless, those who shed innocent blood while they're at prayer, Those who shed innocent blood while misusing children in their homes. Those who shed innocent blood while babies are in the womb. Same principle. Jesus spoke to the Pharisees about this again. He said, you make others become carry on being twice children of hell because you mislead them and cause them not to come to the kingdom. You cause harm instead of help. You are shedding innocent blood. And the truth is also that murderous hands are often idle hands. They rob, they defraud, they murder. Why? Because Proverbs 16.27 says this, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Think of the crime rates in this country. The increase in crime rate. What's the corresponding rate? Joblessness. People who do not necessarily want to work. And the crime rates increase. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. He loves tools that are idle. He will use them. And idle lips are his mouthpiece, says that verse. And therefore, this past week, what did we have? Fifty killed. Proof that God's word is true. We need to take warning. And what's the opposite then of murdering hands? It's healing hands. Healing and helping hands get alongside those who are hurting. Healing and helping hands bind their wounds. Literally. Healing and helping hands Listen to their worries. Put the arm around. Spend time. Listen in helping hands. Give generously where there is need. And praise the Lord for the generous hearts of Kiwis. Ten million plus dollars raised to help those people. Praise the Lord. His common grace is still at work among us. Because you see, as human beings, we only want for ourselves. That's the nature of sin. And here people have opened up and given God's common grace is at work. Nothing good in us. Healing hands and helping hands praise with believers and praise for unbelievers. Fourthly, God hates the wicked hearts. What does our text say? A heart that devises wicked plans and its brother, Feet that make haste to run to evil. The one is connected to the other. Feet are the agent of the heart. God hates a wicked heart and therefore He loves a good heart. The wicked heart brings destruction. Evil begins in the heart. The evil heart literally manufactures wicked thoughts and plans. That's the word used there. It's an evil factory. It generates evil. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. This is what it says. We've read this before. Matthew seven twenty-one to 23. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality. Do you hear the factory going? Envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile the person. God hates that heart. But praise the Lord. He sent His Son Jesus Christ to do something about that. And we can come to Him with those evil hearts and we can receive repentance for those evil things. And we can receive a new heart. A heart that is not a heart of stone. A heart that is a heart of flesh. And God creates new life in us. He takes that evil away and He puts goodness in its place. And now we start generating goodness because who is in us? Christ is in me and He works through me and through my heart into the lives of others. You see, the factory's got a new name on the outside and brand new machinery. A cleansed heart brings life. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God and no one who is evil shall ever see God. So God loves, the wicked. He hates the wicked heart, but He loves a good heart. God hates wayward feet, the agent of the wicked heart. But He loves cautious feet. We saw that in a previous sermon. Where the heart is overflowing with evil, says our text, the feet are swift in running to evil. You know, I heard just a little snippet of that killer's recording. Just a little bit the media put on. I didn't see the whole thing. But just a little bit. And his words were chilling. Let's get the show on the road. He got all his rifles together, got them in the back of the car, got his video cameras ready, record, and then his words. Let's get the show on the road. And he puts foot and goes to those mosques. The feet are swift to run to wickedness. And there's a warning here, you see. Proverbs 1, verse 15 to 16. Listen to the warning. My son, do not walk in the way way of sinners with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. However, God loves feet, That stay clear of trouble. We saw that. Guard your foot, says the Lord. Turn your foot from evil, we saw in the previous study. Turn your foot. Walk in the ways of the Lord, Ephesians 5.15 says. Flee from sin and its temptations, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee from it. Instead of running to evil, run away as fast as you can. Because if you don't, it will overcome. And then, God hates a false witness, says our text. A false witness, verse 19, who breathes out lies. Yes, even under oath. Don't we see that so often in our courts? You see those snippets the media show you of a court case. How do you plead? Not guilty, Your Honor. When the blood is still on their hands. God hates a false witness. But He also loves the advocates of justice and mercy. And that is where you and I come in. Because God has saved us. You see, a false witness breathes out lies and tries to harm. Jesus again warned the chief priests in the Jewish council because they were seeking false testimony against Jesus when He had done no wrong at all. But you and I, if God saves us and He's given us a changed heart, we must become advocates of justice. We must show mercy. Notice the verbs an advocate of justice, one who pleads for justice where justice isn't being shown. How often do we get out of our comfort zones and look around us in society and plead for justice? In writing, with placards, plead for justice. How often do we show mercy in practice? You see, we need to stand against laws that are wrong. And I'm so grateful the laws have been changed with submachine guns and machine guns now. It's totally unnecessary in this country. We must stand for those things that are right. We must speak up when justice isn't done. And yes, there must be an outcry when 50 people are killed. There must be a big outcry. But tell me, my fellow believers, why is there such a silence among us because of babies being aborted? I looked up the stats for 2017, so at last I could find. 13,285 babies were killed in 2017 by induced abortion. That's 36 a day. We had 50 killed. And look at the national outcry. 36 a day are killed. Where are the flags at half-mast? Where are the services? Where are the, prayers to call? Where are the calls to prayer? We have fallen on that point, believers. We need to be standing up and making our voices heard until justice is done. Why are we silent? We get used to things, you see. Or maybe it's in the too hard basket. God calls us to do the hard things. He calls us to show compassion and love as we interact with those who have different beliefs to us. Yes, we are to be compassionate We are to show love. Yes, they're also made in the image of God and they need the same love of God that has been shown to us. But we must never assimilate with their beliefs. And that's what happened this last week. What happens when the rescuer needs to be rescued? We are to remain salt in this world. We can't become saltless. We are to remain light With a message of truth. We can never go to their version of truth. Because it's darkness. So we are to look for justice and mercy. And do it. And then lastly, we are to be... The Lord hates sowers of discord. But He loves cultivators of peace. He hates sowers of discord. Instigators of strife. The word means someone who sows... Things which come up which are wrong, which cause division. Gossip, anger, hate, meanness. There was a lot of meanness around over this last week, too. From people who disagreed with what Muslims do, but became mean about it. That's wrong. We are to be peacemakers. Matthew 5 verse 9 said, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And how can we be peacemakers? Firstly, your own heart's got to be right with God. It's got to be at peace with God. If you haven't got that, what is the message you're taking here? You are to be at peace with God if you want to be a peacemaker. You are then to seek love by overcoming and forgiving sin. We are to forgive that man that pulled that trigger. Because he sinned before God. Who are we to hold that grudge? God is the judge. We must forgive. However hard it is, we are called to forgive. You see, hatred only stirs up strife. But love covers all offenses. One who sows discord is hated by the Lord, but a cultivator of peace stops contention before it starts. We are to be one in the bond of peace as believers. Ephesians 4 verse 3 says, Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Amongst us as believers, there are people who disagree on how things were handled. Are we to climb into them publicly and... Humilify and vilify believer to believer on Facebook, as I've seen. The world looks at this and says, if they can't even love each other, how can we? What message have they got? The Lord says, we are to be one in peace as brothers and sisters in Christ. And so, yes, there is a way to tackle that, but not in the public eye. Let's get amongst each other and speak. And see where we disagree and why we disagree. There must be someone who's thinking incorrect, according to Scriptures. So what do we do with all this? These things the Lord hates and those things He loves. Well, there's two conclusions that we can draw here, that I want to draw rather. There are many more, but the first one is this. Heed the warnings. Our text says, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. Those words are used very specifically there. Don't look over them. They're very specifically there because they should grab our attention like flashing warning signals. How come we make peace with a lot of these things? The list that follows warns against destructive tendencies, sins that damage earthly relationships and grieve our Heavenly Father. And God's warnings aren't meant to take the fun out of life, but they're rather to protect And preserve life. And therefore don't play around with these things as believers. Don't soft pedal these warnings. Don't allow them to become just blase in your life. You see, too often we ignore these warnings of God, and what happens? We have to pay the consequences as believers. And if there's sin in your life, and show me someone who hasn't got sin in your life, deal with it before the Lord. Allow His Holy Spirit to work on that sin. Because sin unattended grows into a monster. And look what a monster did. A monster kills. We've all got that potential in us. We need to deal with that sin and allow the Lord to, to take it away from us. And then secondly, we have to be thankful for God's grace. You see, the only line that divides you and I from that killer of this past weekend is grace. Grace. There go I, but for the grace of God. Without God's grace, we all have the potential to be killers. We all. Otherwise you've got an unrealistic view of sin in your life. And therefore we need to pray for that man who murdered those people. We need to pray for all those affected by those murders. We need to pray for God's ongoing mercy and forgiveness to you and I. Otherwise there's pride in us. And we're back to the first point. God hates it. Colossians 2 verse 6 to 7. I've put it up here for us. So then. Just as you received Jesus Christ as Lord. Continue to live your lives in Him. Rooted and built up in Him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. And that thankfulness will overflow to people around us. And what will happen? They will see Jesus Christ and be drawn to Him. And who knows? God will do the miracle of grace in their lives too. He knows. We are just the tools in the hand of the all-knowing, sovereign God. He builds His kingdom in His time, in His way one soul at a time. We are to be those agents of grace. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, You don't mince words in Your Word. You tell us really plainly and simply that You hate these very specific sins, starting with pride, which is in every single one of us. Lord, save us, From ourselves. Lord, save our feet from running after sin and its effects that we haven't confessed before you. And Lord, as you do your great work of saving grace in our lives, thank you that the love of Jesus Christ can shine out of us as you rid us of sin, and it can shine brighter. And brighter from our lives. So that those we come into contact with can see. There must be a God. Jesus lives in them. And they would ask questions. About why we are at peace. And why we can know you as God. And we can tell the story of Christ's grace in our lives. Lord use us as your servants. Save us from our sin. And use us for your kingdom. We look forward to that day when you reappear. When there will be no more slaughters. When we will not struggle with sin. But when we will be overcomers. Because you will make us to be like your son at last. Thank you Lord. And Lord we do pray for that man who pulled those triggers. Lord may you save him. Even in prison. May he hear the gospel from a fellow prisoner or from a prison warden. But Lord, may he hear the gospel. May he be convicted of sin. And may he come to you in saving grace. What a story that will be. It will be incredible. It will be disbelieving in many ways. But Lord, we pray, do a great work in him. Lord, we pray for all those affected who are really grieving in this week because now the reality sets in of loved ones no longer in their homes. Lord, as comfort is brought to them, may a finger be pointed to Jesus Christ in some way, the one who gives real peace, lasting peace, peace which lasts lasts into eternity. May you use this tragedy for eternity, we pray a great work in this nation and save us from being drawn into paths we should not go at all. We pray this. Protect us. Amen.